Welcome to the PEBC podcast. My name is Michelle Jones, and I will be hosting our series on phenomenal teaching. This series is a collection of conversations with various authors, classroom teachers, education leaders, and staff developers whose work has influenced the PEBC teaching framework. In each episode, we'll explore how the strands of planning, community, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment cultivate student agency and understanding for each and every learner. Thank you so much for listening in. Today, Patrick Allen is going to join us to talk about conferring. Patrick is a classroom teacher, a PEBC lab host, a well-known speaker and blogger, the author of Conferring, the Keystone of Reader's Workshop, and a contributing author to Put Thinking to the Test. He has also produced two video series entitled Fact Finders and What Are You Thinking through Stenhouse. Patrick believes in listening to students and honoring their brilliance. Patrick, it is so great to see you today. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you, Michelle? I'm doing great. I cannot wait for our conversation. I'm really excited to unpack conferring. I'm thinking a lot about what is it? Why is it important? And how do you do it? How do you get conferring going in a classroom? So let's start with really explaining, you know, in your words, from your perspective and all your work with kids, what is conferring and what is it all about? It's an interesting question. What is it all about? To me, it's so much about just being with a reader or a writer or a mathematician and just sitting down side by side and and getting to that that notion of where are you and uh, where are we going to go? Um, I think that for me, that idea of conferring um, comes from a place that is personal. And I think that's one of my big ahas as I've continued to hone my craft of conferring with kids is that, that it has to be um, about a relationship, about sitting down eye to eye uh, with another reader, another learner, and having those conversations that, that mirror real life, um, that shepherd a, a reader or a writer or a mathematician to a, a new place or that provide that that context for um, just ongoing, ongoing, ongoing um, assessment and just that responsiveness of being able to talk. Uh, to me, that's what what conferring is, and it's really um, the most important part of my day with children. So let's dive into that. You know, we, the most important part of your day. You think about the time that you get to spend with children each and every day of that school year, what makes conferring so important to you and so important to your students as learners? Well, number one, I think it's powerful. I think that the more I can get to know a student, um, the more we can build a relationship, the more power that they're going to have, that they're going to take on independently. I, I think that it it builds on their strengths. And I think so many times we look at at the work we do from a deficit model and how am I going to fix this reader or this writer or this mathematician? And if we sit down and confer, we're really going from that point of view of what's your strength? Where are you right now? What strategies are you using? How are you thinking as you're in the process of actually um, reading? Um, I think also there's this consistency. My kids know that every day 
um, that I'm going to sit down and spend some time with one, two, five, six of them, um, and and work through that idea of what are we going to do to get better, and we're working through it together. So when you think about that idea of conferring being really an asset-based conversation, you're sitting down next to one of your learners and really working through their thinking, their problem solving, their metacognition, their writing, whatever it is, whatever the work is in front of those students. When you think about that um, process for conferring, can you just walk us through what a conference might look like if we were a student in your classroom? What does it look like when you first sit down with us? What's the flow, if you will? Hmm. Well, definitely there's a structure. Um, I, I think one of the very first things that I want to do when I sit down next to a reader is get a feeling for where they are, where they are in that process. Um, it might be based on something that we worked on before. It might be based on something that came up during our mini lesson. It might be based on something that they've asked for help with. But I think sitting down to kind of um, watch and see and learn and, and know what it is that they need. Um, and sometimes that comes through um, that idea of just kind of reviewing something that we've, we've done before or, or reflecting on something. Um, but really, I think that you have to find your own structure for, for conferring. And my, my first thing is just to really sit down and, and figure out where it is that we need to go, either based on something that, that they said to me in the moment or something that they've said to me in the past. And then that middle part of, of a reading conference for me is that, that place where I provide some instruction or we talk about an insight that I've gained or that, that they're gaining as a reader. And um, then that last part of a, of a conference is, okay, what are you going to do after I leave? I think so often people try to confer um, and try to take control of the conference and they give the student the plan. Here's what you need to work on before next time, which is fine if that's where the conference goes. But the flow has to be, okay, what am I noticing in that moment? And what are you going to do to take your thinking further? And it's hard. Um, I don't want it to make it, I don't want to make it sound like conferring is this thing that where you just sit down and you talk to a child and it's all um, peaceful and wonderful. And it can be, but I also think you just need to practice it so that your, your conferences have a structure and you need to decide what works best for you. Um, I think that um, for me, having that, that three-step process <laughs> is really helpful. Um, I think that um, teachers just need to practice. When I was, when I was um, writing my book, I honestly recorded probably 60 to 80 reading conferences and just listened to them and listened to what I did and listened to who did the talking. And um, I think that um, I tried to make it more authentic over time. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's the flow for me. So it's interesting to, you know, listen to you think aloud about your process of conferring and your journey as someone who engages in conferences with kids a lot. 
Mm -hmm. um, that idea that it there's an art to it or a craft and that you're continually reflecting on what is my intention with kids? What kinds of questions am I asking? Who's doing the talking? And mm -hmm. really who is responsible for those next steps or that plan or what's going to happen after the conference, that goal setting, if you will. When you think about all of that happening in your mind at the same time, while in a classroom of 27 kiddos, we think about you know, agency and understanding that you know the PBC we talk about all the time. What are the best ways to teach for agency and understanding? I'm inferring that your students have a lot of agency in terms of their independence, particularly during a workshop, during that work time, or you know, that time when you're conferring with your learners. How do you build the rituals and routines so that conferring can be successful in your classroom on a daily basis? take a lot of time. One of the things that I've learned is that I have to slow down, especially at the beginning of the year, um, for them to understand what the structure of a workshop might look like, for them to understand the gradual release of responsibility, um, to talk about the word independence, um, to talk about the the role that they have in a workshop and the role that I have in a workshop. And when, when does that, um, that, that, that time that we're, we're quote unquote working, what, what should it look like and sound like and feel like? Um, so one of the things I've done over the last few years is just really thought clearly about how to slow things down how to be a better listener. Um, because if you're not, if you're always thinking about the next thing, if you don't take that time to build that, that idea of, oh my gosh, I have to have some time just to listen, your, con your conferences are not going to work, right? Um, I think that, you know, we really have three goals when we're conferring with kids. We went to uncover that, that kind of um, cognitive context of conferring. Like we want to build that rigor. Um, so we want to know about their strengths and their struggles and their wonderings. And we have to know how much to listen and we have to know how much to teach. And then we want to think about that analytical part of conferring where we find those specific patterns of growth or need um, and, and their vision of what strong literacy craft look like craft looks like. I think that we have to note what we learn. I think one of the big mistakes we make is that we, we sit down to confer, but we don't make note and, and you have to decide what works for you. I know many people who are taking notes on their computer. I, I like taking notes by hand. I think that's important. Um, and then we have to think about, okay, how am I going to match my kids with mentors that are going to take them forward. So I'm nurturing that idea of inquiry all the time in reading conferences. And then I think that we have to think about that social context because truly we have to think about who's doing the talking, um, who owns that text, where am I choosing to sit? So I think that the, the idea of rigor and inquiry and intimacy 
come into play when we're conferring with kids. And I think we have to think really clearly about the cognitive context, the analytical context, and the social context of what we're doing as we're getting to know this reader. Um, I think that's really important. So it takes practice and it takes time and we have to slow down. And, um, you know, in a normal year, we have 180 days, <laughs> you know, right now it's a little bit different, but uh, in a normal year, we have lots of time to, to get to know them. And I, I think that's the key to developing reading conferences that are going to move them forward as a reader. Um, I was reading the other day about how so many times when, when we're doing intervention with kids, we're pulling them to another spot, right? And we're taking them out of that context of the classroom. And when you think about, like even what, when Dick Allington says, every child, every day, I think one of the best interventions we can think about is that time when we sit down one-on-one, -on -one, side by side, and really get to know who they are as readers. So when I'm thinking about conferring, and I'm thinking about the time I've spent in your classroom, mm -hmm. and watching this unfold, um, you know, students engaging as readers and writers and mathematicians, and you're engaging in conversations, and students are, are in, the, they're in the midst of the learning. They're right in there with you. Um, clearly, it's a craft and an art and a science for you. When you think about teachers who maybe haven't had the opportunity to confer in the past, or maybe there have been you know different curriculum restrictions, or perhaps mm -hmm. it just hasn't been you know, maybe a workshop-centered environment within their in their schools, or maybe they're new to the teaching profession. Mm -hmm. If I want to get started on conferring, I'm like, oh, I am so excited! I've been reading about it. I've watched a couple of videos. I've listened to this podcast. What are a couple first steps that someone might take if they're making a transition to engage in more conferring or if they're just starting out in the classroom? What are some of those, like I guess, you know, those kind of first steps down the path? Mm -hmm. I think first and foremost, you need to watch somebody confer. Uh, and luckily these days we have YouTube. We have, we have really good reading conferences online and we have really bad reading conferences online. And I, and I don't mean bad. I just mean different. And you have to figure out what it is that works for you. I learned to confer by watching, by watching um, our friend and colleague, Laura Benson. She was the very first person that taught me about conferring, watching Ellen Keen confer, watching, um, Debbie Miller, you know, just watching master teachers confer with kids. I think that's a first step. Mm -hmm. I think you can do some reading. Um, there are articles about conferring that are written. Um, you need to, to watch and to read and to practice. Um, I, I think those are the, the three things that, that might get you started. Um, and don't be afraid of that time. It's not going to be perfect. It still isn't perfect. I mean, I'm starting next year, my 35th year of teaching. I'm still learning to confer better. 
And I, and I think that, that we need to understand that the more ownership that we can give to the reader, the better our reading conferences are going to be. If we try to take control, I don't think they're going to be as strong. So I think those are some things that I would do. Watch someone, do a lot of reading, um, practice um, with a colleague, with a friend, with your child at home. You know, I think that that's what I would do. Great, great recommendations. Thank you. I mean, I think that just really helps give people that courage to try something new or to refine their craft. I, I think also one of the things that I would do, which I had to do, was look at the structure of a reading conference from other people's point of view. Uh, look at the structure of a writing conference. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Look what other people have said about the way that they structure their 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 conferences and try to create your own. Don't try to replicate. I mean, at the beginning, you can. I remember having a list of questions <laughs> that I would sit and I would ask this list of questions that I had created that I had gotten from somebody, but they never really fit. And so I had to learn how to develop those questions in the moment. So I think that you can um, start that way, but I think you have to build it into your own system. Um, something that works for you, but more importantly, works for the readers that are in your care. Oh, thank you. So big, big question now. When we think about the PBC teaching framework, it was recently published in Wendy Wards-Hoffer's new book, Phenomenal Teaching. And in that PEBC teaching framework, there are six strands of instruction. There's planning, community, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment. If you were going to link conferring to one of those strands or more than one of those strands, where do you think it fits in instruction? I can't link it to just one. That's the problem because I think conferring belongs in all of those areas. I think that if you think about it as formative assessment, that's where it fits. I think that if we look at it um, as a way to plan further instruction, it fits in planning. If we look at it as building relationships, it feels it builds um just a natural place in that building of community. Um, I think that we can also discover what strategies kids are using. So I think it fits in all six. I mean, of course, it sits naturally in assessment, and that's where most people put it, because really the word assessment comes from the Latin meaning of sitting side by side. If we go back and look at what does assessment mean, that's what it means, sitting side by side. But I think we have to think, okay, how does conferring enhance all six of these um, areas? I think that's the way I look at it because I'm a big picture thinker. If you're, an, if you're a thinker who needs to um, put it into one context, I would certainly think that planning and assessment kind of are the two areas that I think it probably fits best. But I think that um, when we try to pigeonhole conferring into one single area, um, if we only look at it, at it as assessment, then we're not using it to build relationships, which is also 
one of its um, one of its strengths, right? Absolutely. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today. Any last thoughts, last words, anything you want to share with our listening audience? Oh, I always have last words. Of course, um, that's why I asked. Yeah, I have a I, I have a quote, and I just want to read it to you because I've I've been thinking a lot about this this idea lately of relationships. Um, and I, I guess that comes from not having that, that side-by-side social interaction with learners right now. Um, but I found this quote and this is what it said. How should we respond to a look, a piece of blackberry pie, a kiss, a death in the family, a joke, to the sneaky warm of the winter sun when it touches a hand, as a human being. There can be no way, no single correct preconceived way for one human being in the dynamic, ever-changing context of a human interaction to respond to another human being. So I think when we think about conferring, we have to think about the fact that there's not one way to do it, but truly, it's all about being human and caring enough about those learners that have been put in our care to really sit side by side them and get to know them. And I, I guess that um, has really been kind of tugging at my heartstrings over these last few weeks is that that humanness of teaching is something that we have to bring back to our instruction and uh, conferring is one way to do that. Patrick, thank you so much. Thank you for all of your insights on the, you know, on conferring and for the beautiful quote to remind us of what really matters with students. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We hope our time together bolstered your agency and understanding. PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado, and works locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding, as described in Wendy Ward Hoffer's newest book, Phenomenal Teaching. PEBC provides customized on-site professional development and coaching for schools and districts, facilitates a variety of institutes and seminars, and offers an array of online learning experiences for all educators. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at pebc.org. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.